We got the law here, Billy Jack. When policemen break the law, then there isn't any law. Just a fight for survival. everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Exploit It. I'm Alexis Strowski. And I'm Kevin, who's also having PTSD from Vietnam. <laughs> and this week we're talking about Billy Jack, written, directed, and produced and starring Tom Laughlin. I'm going to take this right foot, and I'm going to whop you on that side of your face. And you want to know something? There's not a damn thing you're going to be able to do about it. Really? Really? It's funny, isn't it? How everybody in town's afraid of you. But I guess it's a good thing they are. Because if they weren't, they'd hurt the school a lot more than they do now. What's going to happen tomorrow is going to happen, and all your worry in the world isn't going to change that. Believe me, I know. to the mountains so green. My religion, my nonviolence, the kids, that's all I have left now. <laughs> now I think... Of the number of years she's going to have to carry in her memory the savagery of this idiotic moment of yours, I just go bizarre. The red one's being stopped, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps you on your toes, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I think you better pull up to the intersection. <laughs> Just testing you. You worked with King, didn't you? Yeah. Where is he? Dad. And where's Bob and Jack Kennedy? Dad. Not dead. Their brain's blown out. I don't care about all that. I just don't want you to go out and commit murder. Mr. Johnson, when's the last time you cut your hair? Oh. When's, when's the last time you brushed your teeth, out sir? Kill you, Billy. An Indian isn't afraid to die. Don't ever expect a white man to understand that. Hey, Billy. You're not armed. No tricks. And I know that you're only doing it because of the love you have for the kids. And me. This is definitely a passion project of his. Yes, it is. He uh, spent most of his life doing Billy Jack shit. Yeah, actually, this is not even technically the first Billy Jack movie. No, technically, he, the character was in the movie The Born Losers. But then he did Billy Jack, then there's a sequel, The Trial of Billy Jack. And, and another one. Yes, Billy, Billy Jack, Jack goes to 
Good story. Yep. And then there was going to be another one, but it never got made. Yeah, like up until the day he died, he was still working on that movie. Yep. He passed away in uh, a year. I'm looking at Billy Jack here, not the movie. Hold on. 2013. But even on the official Billy Jack website, they kept saying, oh, he's hard at work on making Return of Billy Jack. Yeah. Well, it's, like I said, it's a, the message in the movie, such as it is, is very dear to his heart, obviously. Yes. So this movie, it's political activism. I know we went into this like with red exploitation of exploiting Indians, which we'll discuss a little bit in this movie, but this is a piece of political activism from 1971. Yeah, there's a couple of layers here. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the character of Billy Jack is a mixed race Navajo who's also a Green Beret Vietnam War vet and a and a Hapkido master. That is how he's described, yes. Tom Laughlin, however, I, I researched no Indian heritage in him. No. His wife, who plays his wife in the movie, yes, she grew up on a reservation. Probably why it's so important to, yeah. to him. So, this movie, it's also, Billy Jack is the dude that protects hippies from the man. Yeah, it just so happens these hippies are, well, hippies, well, yeah, not hip, they are hippies in, like, how you... Like, think of typical hippies, but they're not the same hippies that live in, like, in the hate in San Francisco. Which they which discuss. The movie, which the movie is very critical of. Yeah. Um, we open with, a, like, this weak voiceover that uh, the line is, Who would have ever guessed that the great tragedy and all the bloodshed that we'll see began when Sheriff Cole drove over to his deputy's house? That's uh, the wife doing the voiceover, right? Maybe. I always thought it was Barbara, but yeah, I it could. thought so at first, but there's, you know, I'll probably hit it later in my notes where I found out more definitely. Yeah, you might be right. I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking it was like older Barbara telling the story. Yeah, because Barbara is the daughter of this this horrible guy, Mike. Yeah, he's the deputy. Mike is the deputy, and Sheriff Cole comes up and says, They found your daughter at Hate ashbury again, which is in San Francisco. <laughs> And it was famous for being a a hotbed of hippie culture in the 60s and 70s. Yep, and he's like... For those of you who don't know. They're like, we're going to go pick up your runaway hippie daughter. You're going to come with me to the airport? And Mike's like, no, I have to go murder horses. Yeah, basically. Um, well, he's like, oh, we got to go hunt wild mustangs. And then the cop just goes, that's a sheriff, is like, how much are the dog food companies paying for mustang meat? Six cents a pound? Is your daughter worth that? <laughs> well, it's illegal to hunt wild mustang, except... Yeah, I did the math on that. That's a six cents a pound. Horses are typically 900 to 1,200 pounds, so you're looking at like 54, 72 bucks a horse. Bad, a 19... I guess the set in 69, I believe. Yeah. Because that's when it was filmed. It didn't come out until 71. But Yeah, it took a while to find distribution for this film. Which was actually fairly successful. It was successful, yeah. But anyway... Low budget, decent profit. We get those opening credits as they're hunting Mustang, and it plays that fucking song. It's such a it's such a song of that era. That right? one tin soldier. It just sounds like a 60s protest song, doesn't it? I had to sing this all the time in Bible camp. Really? I have never heard this song before. Oh, we had to sing it like two, three fucking times a day. We sang this goddamn song. Huh. It's a sad, uh, it's a sad, like, 
peace, love, and... Yeah, it's a yeah. song that fits for this movie. Yeah, very much. Very much so fits for this movie. Apparently, this is a cover, by the way. Yeah, it's by a band called Coven, which, they're they're totally misnamed. Coven is what you would name, like, a goth girl's emo group. Not a, a 70s optimistic pop group. Actually, when I was looking them up, they're described as being uh, a cult rock with themes of dealing with Satanism and witchcraft. That makes more sense, but this song is totally not and, that. And they are recognized by metal fans. Metal Stearns is the band that introduced the horns to pop culture. Well, see, that uh, sounds like on their a band called debut, Yeah, it's seen on their debut album from 1969 called Witchcraft Destroys Minds and Reaps Souls. Then what the fuck is this song doing in their discography? I don't know. That the singer just wanted to cover it, I guess. Oh, so it is a cover then. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a cover from let's see. Man, I looked all this up and now I can't remember any. Okay, well the the one for the movie is kind of a like a remix, but it's a, a cover of a of a band called the Original Castle from Can- a Canadian band, a Canadian folk group. Oh, yeah. Oh, the original case. Original case. It totally does sound like a folk song. So, what for whatever reason, just felt like uh, felt like covering it. Recorded by Jinx Dawson from Coven, and yeah, it actually was a top forty hit, nineteen seventy one, and again in nineteen seventy three. So go go figure. Me first in the Gimme Gimme's covered this. That sounds about right. Yeah, but over this song playing. There's a bunch of these cowboys rounding up horses, and there's a shot that kept bothering me where a couple horses just fucking fall off a cliff. Yeah, this scene is boring as shit, too. Just It's like bad western intro. It is. It feels very spaghetti. It does. But the guy that's rounding up the Mustangs has, has assembled his, his horse posse. His, his mis- horse murder po- posse. And we're not even talking like hunting. We're talking round them up in a pen and just shoot them. Yeah, because that's their plan, that they're going to do that. And then so, his name is Mr. Posner. That's the guy's name. They shoot horses, don't they? Literally, in this case. And he wants his son, Bernard, to be the first one to kill one of these horses. And is handing Bernard the gun. Oh, we'll talk plenty about the fucking idiot that Bernard is. Yeah, and Bernard's like, no, I don't want to shoot the horse. And on first viewing, I was like, oh... This nice, sympathetic character. He must be our sympathetic protagonist that feels this is bad. The, this is the, the one action he has with any sort of conscience. Yeah, as we'll discuss, Bernard is probably the most evil son of a bitch we've had as an antagonist he, in these movies. Yeah, he is. He is a vile human being. <laughs> Bernard is... I don't think we've had somebody as bad as Bernard. I thought it was going to, because reading the description of the movie, it's like, oh, the political boss, Posner, is going to be the villain. Uh I mean, he is, but not in the same way his kid is. Oh, his kid is. Have we had a person as bad as Bernard in any of these movies recently? Uh, The the main bad guy from Last House? Oh, yeah. He gives Bernard a run for his money. They're about the same person. I thought Bernard was going to be the son from Last House on the left and, like, <laughs> be so, like, you know, Stockholmed by his dad that, you know, he's going to do shitty things. But, no, Bernard's just, like, he's more like the Daniel Craig in Road to Perdition, just a yeah. vile shit heel. Before they can kill these horses, Billy Jack rides up with his 
his pale ass skin and his Indian clothes. It's uh early uh it's like st- it's like a Seagal film. It is. It is um in fact we had that Seagal film has like an alternate for this week in case these movies weren't available. I'm sure we will get to those eventually. Yes, we probably will. What's the what's the one where he's like fighting for Inuit people? What's that one on, 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 um, on Deadly Ground? Deadly Ground, that's okay. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to that one eventually. So Billy Jack comes up and he's like, hey, you're on Indian land here, um, so you can't kill the horses. Ironically, the reason they corral them onto Indian land is because it's illegal to kill them on California, or on Arizona state land. So they figure, hey, we can sneak them into Indian land, no one's going to see them, and it's totally not illegal to sh- for, you know, they have no jurisdiction here. Uh, but uh, Billy J- Billy Jack is the only jurisdiction <laughs> the tribe needs. Yeah, and he um, he proves that by taking out his gun and shooting at them. Yeah, and right away we know Billy Jack is unhinged. Yes, when you fight in Vietnam, you know things happen to you. And then here's where I got my bunch of notes about fucking about Laughlin. So yeah. he he was doing like Western movies, and then I guess he he. Had his come to Jesus moment, decided to leave Hollywood with his wife Dolores Taylor. Yep. And they, uh, yes, he uh, founded. They founded a Montessori school in Santa Monica because they deemed public educa- schools unworthy of educating children. And do you know much about a Montessori school? Uh, not really. They're kind of. It's we learned about them in in college when I was becoming a teacher that they um but we learned about them in philosophy of education because it's this philosophy that children learn better when they're doing things they enjoy yeah my daughter goes to a preschool like that it's not a montessori school but it's um forest school that's uh what it's called yeah well the idea of montessori schools only really work in like preschool kindergarten maybe first grade right well i mean that's because kids at that age learn better uh, by interacting and playing under their own guidance rather than being forced into some strict curriculum. Yeah, as you uh, get further through grade school, there's less fun ways to teach academics, honestly. Yeah, well, yeah. The, sadly, the human brain starts becoming less uh, less inquisitive, I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, there's no kid that's going to just naturally develop this lifelong love of math. Even the ones I mean, that have, that, that developed through academics and not just... Right, I mean, you have to be introduced to the idea. Like, no one's just going to be like, man, I saw some numbers today, and that's what I really want to fuck around with. And that's what Montessori schools kind of tried to be after, you know, a certain grade level. As we see in this movie, there is a Montessori school in this movie. Yes, it's a kippy commune, essentially. Tom Laughlin mounted three quixotic presidential campaigns, apparently. Yes. And he immersed himself in Jungian psychology and wrote three books about it. He must have loved uh, Mandy, then. Oh, he would have loved that movie. (laughs) We talk the shit about Jung already on this show. Yeah. (laughs) Come for the the exploitation, stay for the Jungian philosophy. That is is our show. (laughs) And according to Leonard Malton, Laughlin was the only actor in sense enough to risk a hernia from reading lines. Uh, I, I like this guy. Just when I was reading about him and like some of the stuff he believed in, and it's like I think I would have like like 
I think I would have liked this guy. He was passionate about his politics, man. Well, and he, you know, he was he was very critical of you know the Christian right and their false evangelism. He was a, a critic of George W. Bush and the Iraq War and his father. Yeah, um, Billy Jack goes to Washington is completely about nuclear disarmament. Yeah, he's anti-nuclear uh, weapon. He's pro-universal health care, pro-term limits. Yeah. I, he had a lot of really good ideas that um, I, I think I would have liked this guy, like if I had known him. So, as a person. Much res- as yeah, an as actor, he's he's lacking. Yeah, it's very so-so and, and lacking. But I, I appreciate his message, and the message is here. Yeah. So, after he chases them off, they, uh, the narrator tells us about Billy Jack, that the townspeople didn't know much of him. That he was a war hero that hated the war and turned his back on society, and he lives in some unknown place in the wilderness with an old holy man that is teaching him the secret Indian ways. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it, obviously it's very like silly, but uh, to be fair, a, a Vietnam vet coming home in 1969 would definitely Have most what? likely feel like you know what, fuck the world. Mm-hmm. Well, we've seen Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the massive amounts of PTSD, but then you also return home to a country who actively hates you because they're too stupid to realize the difference between the government and the people they're abusing by sending them off to war. Um, so then we get the hippie daughter, hippie daughter Barbara comes home. I actually love this scene. Most of it. <laughs> it cracks me up. Well, her defiance is her is, defiance is is, is good. Lovely. Yeah. She wants nothing to do with her dad. Who who says my first instinct is to beat the hell out of you? Not not a good first instinct. This guy made me feel like a good dad, which was impressive. Oh, this guy's a shitty dad. Yeah, he- I mean it's a low bar, but you know I, I gave a little boost of little boost of confidence. Um, because she she's like I have hepatitis and an abscessed tooth, and I haven't eaten for two days. Also, I'm pregnant. Yeah, and the dad's like, "Who's the father?" She's like, "I have no idea. I was just." passed around by all these hippies who kept telling me love was beautiful and all that bullshit. There's some, and that's basically the uh, analysis Joan Didion had of, of the hippie subculture in, in San Francisco. Yeah, and she's not happy with the hippie subculture, because she's, she's basically, I got gang raped. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and like I said, that was, uh, that was the most interesting, I read Slouching Towards Bethlehem, and the descriptions that Joan Didion talked about in the hippie, like, yeah, that makes sense. Everyone thinks that oh, free love. Oh, but yeah, no, mostly just you know sexual abuse. Yeah, and, and hedonism. She says, "I got bald by so many guys. I don't know if the father's going to be white, Indian, Mexican, or black." She says, "I was gang raped by hippies." So dad's dad's solution is to closed fist hit her in the face and then leave her out in the wilderness somewhere. Yeah, he just drives her out to some field and drops her off, all beat up. All right. Where's the father? Where's the father? That's funny. I don't even know who the father is. What's that supposed to mean? It means, concerned father, that I was passed around by so many of those phony Maharishi types who kept telling me that love is beautiful and all that bullshit. In other words, concerned father, I got bald by so many guys, I don't know if the father's going to be white, Indian, Mexican, or black. 
And it's Billy Jack who finds her and takes her to a hospital. So he decides that he's going to hide Barbara from her father out at his 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 special school. As as a as a reasonable human being would. Yeah, you're not going to send this poor girl back to her evil dad. She's 15, by the way. Um, it's established at the end of the movie. Yep. Um, the woman running the school with Billy Jack is this Jean Roberts, played by Tom Laughlin's wife, Dolores Taylor. And she introduces the school, saying, anything a kid wants to learn, they try to teach it to them here. Which, that's what a Montessori school is. And we learn all about the school, and that's where we learn that Jean is our narrator. That's where I have the note there. Ah, uh, okay. Because I think in the narration she says, at our school. Yeah, she says, I opened up the school to any kid with problems, regardless of race. Right, okay, yep. You're right. So it is being told by Jean post facto. And, um... So she's asking these other two kids, like, help Jean come out of her shell. And they do role play. That's a lot of this school is actually these, like, role play dramas they, they put together. Improv. Yep. Drama. Which, actually, a lot of the scenes are very good. I think they're actually done by a real improv troupe, I saw. That makes sense, because of how fucking good they are at it, and that they do not look at all like school children. They're, like, in their 30s. <laughs> I think they credits uh, uh, there's in the credits they they mention some groups and I'm like oh I think that there must be an actual like improv group that they had come do this because they have some really good bits in this I actually some of my favorite parts of the movie are the improv scenes in this there's one later on that I just loved that I like rewound rewound and watched again because I kind of loved that scene but that's later on I wonder if it's the same one I'm thinking of it might be. It's a good nope. scene. But, uh, I like all of them, so. But Barbara's like, I can't do your hippie roleplay because I'm knocked up. And they're like, well, we'll incorporate that into our, into our, yes, and. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yes, and you're pregnant with black Jesus and a virgin birth. And they do this fucking Jesus roleplay. This you one just, I did not like. This one I was like, the fuck? You just roll with it sometimes. Not everything's a hit. Yeah, this one was not. And then we get a bunch of people playing guitar and singing songs on stage during their, their meal time in the mess hall. Yep. And the deal is like, yeah, anything you want to do, you just get up there and do it. And this little 11-year-old girl has written a song about her brother. Jesus Christ, this song. It's so grim. <laughs> that Her brother died in Vietnam is what, what this song is. And she's like, why is there war? Why is there killing? My, my brother died. And she does this whole sad, sad song. No fucking reaction from the audience. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. I mean, what reaction do you think they should have, though? She's singing a song. She's like an 11-year-old singing a song about how her brother died in Vietnam. Yeah, the, the, the government came and said, hey, your brother died a hero. Billy Jack's off. To, he's going to he's training to do this snake ritual. Yep. Where it's like you, you go out there and you get your shit bit by a, a rattlesnake a bunch of times and you, you you trip out and you become a stronger person and this one boy sometimes i have his name in here sometimes i don't because i didn't know he was going to become such an important character cole yeah, think, no no, no cole cole's the sheriff martin, martin i think is the name martin is the is the native boy it's like may i be your apprentice and billy jack's like oh in the future kid because you you have a big future ahead of you Martin. Yeah, a very big future. Very long. Yes. Long, prosperous life. 
So they all load up into their their school bus to go to town the next day, and they're doing sing-alongs on the bus, and they're the Freedom School is what it says on the bus. The whole town is like, oh shit, it's the hippie kids from the hippie school. Because the whole town is a bunch of racist rednecks in Prescott, Arizona. Yes, and um, they're mostly. The kids are worried because they're like, well, they don't allow Indians in some of the stores. You know, all the ca- kids know that the, that the kids don't like going into town day because this town is racist as fuck. And it's it's interesting. I did not realize that that sort of racism against Native people was common in 1969. Of course, I guess these days, good luck finding a Native American. But, like, well, I don't know. You know about all the, like, assimilation stuff they did to just yeah. beat the fucking Native out of them and make them good you know, white Americans, basically. Yeah, I guess there. I guess th- there's that. Maybe that's why it's so hard to find <laughs> find them now. But yeah, it's so. I don't, I don't understand racism in general. Well, I do from a evolutionary standpoint, but it's still fucking stupid. Yeah, because they go into an ice cream shop, and the racist guy at the store is like, "We're out of we're out of ice cream cones." And Barbara's like, "No, no, look, you 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 have cones right here." And Bernard comes in. Is oh, like, you missed the part where Bernard tries to flirt with this one girl from... Oh, yeah. What does she it's kind say? Of up Yours, I think. Yeah, she says, my her. name is Up. Up Yours. I don't remember the name of that character, the girl, though. Um, but it pisses Bernard off, and that that's this, that's like the linchpin that becomes his whole fucking existence now. Because he's he's uh, the fucking, like, mob bot, local, like, boss hogs kid. is not used to being, like... Not just completely, you know, fawned over. And he has. And she totally bear- embarrasses him in front of all his friends. And of course, his friends think it's fucking hilarious because they knock this dude down a peg. He's got his friend Dinosaur. His friend's name is Dinosaur. That's because he's like 6,000 feet tall. <laughs> he is. He's a, he's, a, he's a George Eastman motherfucker. He is a big boy. He is a big dude. That's a tall boy. And they come in, and it's like, oh, well, I've got a solution so you can serve this girl's non-white friends. And he takes out flour, and he just dumps flour all over these minority kids. It's fucking evil. Yeah, it's just spiteful. And he's like, there, now everyone is white. Um, and that's when Billy Jack comes in. And he's got that really good line. I want you to know. That I try. When Jean and the kids at the school tell me that I'm supposed to control my violent temper and be passive and nonviolent like they are, I try. I really try. So when I see this girl such a beautiful spirit so degraded and when I see this boy I love him out by this big ape here and this little girl who is so special to us that we call her God's little gift of sunshine And I think of the number of years she's going to have to carry in her memory 
imagery of this idiotic moment of yours, I just go this. I and like that line. Kicks the sh- and then kicks the shit out of all of them and throws dinosaur through a goddamn window. He does. And then he goes outside and the whole town's there like, hey, Billy Jack, we're gonna we're gonna beat you up now. Somebody says, watch his feet. He can kill you with his feet. And he just starts beating the hell out of the people in the town, too. Well, yeah, they all show up and surround him and Posner comes up and starts talking shit. And he goes, I'm gonna kick you right in the side of the head and there's not a thing you can do about it. And he delivers this, like, roundhouse kick to Posner's temple and just lays him out. And the the impact of the hits in the scene feel rough. Like they are heavy. Where they uh, they choreographed this very well. Like I'm worried it may have been a little bit too well. Yeah. Was there some actual impact? Because it definitely feels like you see a lot of like martial arts scenes in movies, and it doesn't feel like there's a lot of oomph to it. It when when Billy Jack kicks a motherfucker in this movie, you feel it. Yeah, you do. Uh, Which I appreciate that. It is. The, the choreography is actually good. Yeah. And then uh, the sheriff shows up and is just like, break it up, everyone go their own way. And um, so Deputy Mike is like, they're holding my daughter. We have to go, we have to take the law into our hands and go get my daughter. So the sheriff shows up at the school with like a kind of search warrant. And he makes sure to tell Gene at the school that... um. Our warrant actually has no legal jurisdiction over the reservation. You don't have to let us in. Yeah, because they're on native land, which is not under you know state jurisdiction. It's a federal. Yeah, first of all, they they're on their own jurisdiction. But if something shitty happens between like local Americans and the native reservations, then the federal government has to get involved. Yeah, and sheriff. So is- they can't. They can't just roll up. The local sheriff can't just roll up into native reservation and start you know swinging the dick around and sheriff cole here is actually kind of like nice guy sheriff he's doing his best to take care of people he's the one that helps get uh barbara into the school Mm -hmm. even though he knows his deputy is a shithead and will want her back to abuse her some more because he cares he's you know he's friends with with gene and he's trying to keep the peace and trying to but he also knows that his hands are tied a lot of the time because Posner has so much sway sway in the town that there's not a whole lot he can do beyond just kind of like deflect. He does his best. Like he does his best to try to keep everybody as safe as he can given the reality of the situation. Yeah, when he tells Gene that um our warrant actually does not give us jurisdiction to search here. We're just asking you really nicely to allow us. The others are like, who the fuck side are you on, Sheriff? But Gene is like, sure. Side of the law? (laughs) Gene's like, go ahead, search, you know? And all the kids in the mess hall are like, fuck this shit, protest. Gene says, do whatever you want. But remember, the whole whole point of this place, they only have a couple rules. And, uh, you know, the kids are basically allowed to speak their own mind and do whatever they want, and the kids uh, are not particularly fond of the corrupt, the corrupt uh, sheriff's department and uh, political boss. Yeah, and so they they get up and they just start. They sing their "fuck the man" song basically, and they're like, "Oh, well, Billy took Barbara away. Nobody knows where Billy took her." You know, out to his secret Indian hiding spot, which was like some like little caves in the mountain. And so, um, Posner is it. Somebody offers a $1,000 reward for any information. 
Which no, nobody is taking them up on this offer either. Right. Because they're they're essentially communists, and that's one of the I think one of the things that really freaks out the town. Because again, you know, communism's evil in 1969 America. I mean, it still is because people are fucking ridiculous. Oh, well, but, nowadays everything you don't like is communist for some people. Well, it's 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 it's, it's like uh, it's so easy to just it's it's always been so easy to deflect it as like ah, communism bad. It's like it's, Stalin was bad nowadays. <laughs> Communism exists more as a boogeyman than an actual political idea. We, well, we've never had a true communist government. We never really even had a true socialist government in this world. So, so this racist ass town decides to pass a law banning these fucking minority kids from the town. Which I'm like, well, I mean, it's a restriction, but even then, I'm not sure it's particularly constitutional. That these minority kids are only allowed in town on Saturdays from 12 to 4 and only in groups of 6 or less. My thought is, why would you even want to go to the fucking town anyway? No one likes you there. You're likely to get beat up or had flour thrown on you. Or Well, they have to go to town to get supplies. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean you can arrange for somebody to pick up supplies, right? Like, Yeah, but still... They should have the freedom to go where they want. I know, but I—I I mean, I don't know what I wouldn't—I wouldn't go. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't go there. But. Um, sometimes you just want to go out and see a movie and get ice cream, you know? That—that's true. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes you just want to get some ice cream. And this town's like, no, only white people. And yeah, which is pretty fucking ridiculous. But yes, we have this city council meeting, and all—all all the kids from the school are there. And it's a great scene, actually. Yeah, it feels incredibly real. And again, I think all of these kids and stuff are in the are part of like a an improv group, and the whole thing it feels improv. Cause, yeah, because they are slapping back at everything the city council says. They they end up like shaming Posner, calling him a pedophile when the eleven year old girl Carol goes up to speak. Yeah. And then Carol, she gives this speech. She's like, a man once said, and she gives this quote. And they're like, oh, well, well, that sounds like a very nice quote. And she goes, Hitler said that. Because right, Hitler did the same thing. Just basically blamed communists and, you know, as a, Russia's, you know, the huge threat. And, yeah, I mean, that was, that was Hitler's jam, too. How old are you, young lady? Eleven. Eleven. Too old for you. Just about old enough for you, I guess, huh? I'd like to read a speech, and after it's done, I'd like you to guess who um, said it in public. The streets of our country are in turmoil. The universities are filled with students rebelling and rioting. Communists are seeking to destroy our country. Russia is threatening us with her might, and the republic is in danger. Yes, danger from within and from without. We need law and order. Without law and order, our nation cannot survive. Who wrote it? Well, that's very nice, young lady. You want to know who wrote it? Adolf Hitler wrote it in 1932, and everyone from Nixon's cabinet, your council is repeating it today. No, I'd like to know from this child if she would tell us who told her to read it here. She has her own mind. She can read by herself. Yes, I wish she'd ask the question. Nobody told me to read it. I just then why did you? I think I have a right to read what I feel. Why like did you read it? Were you taught this in school? And because her brain is damaged 
by the heathen devil weed marijuana. She's like, why are you guys scared of me? And somebody goes, because you're a filthy little girl. Where I have in my notes there, just, whoa. Yeah, this is supposed to be a town hall. They remind me of the town hall from Blazing Saddles. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like uh, someone's going to show up and go, never mind that shit. Here comes Mongo. And they're like, well, why don't you come out to the school and see what we do? And two of the more... Liberal-minded council members actually take them up on this offer. And they set up an ad-lib for them, which this is one of the more enjoyable ones. I like this. I like the, the pothead one that they do. Yeah. Because they get the two city council members as the, 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 they're to play the teenagers that get caught busted for weed. Yeah, this is, a good, this is actually a really good bit. And the teenagers at the school play the disappointed parents. It's really chaotic, but it's still kind of fun. Yeah, it's it's chaotic, but again, it's like yeah, that's I mean that's uh, that's how it was how it would play out a lot of times. Yep. So it comes time for uh, Gene takes Barbara out to Billy Jack's snake ceremony, yep. and he's gonna he basically faces off with this snake that they say it'll, it'll take three days, and that the snake will either kill him or he will become a blood brother to the snake. Well, the union on the snake of the snake is on the climb, and so he dances around getting. Bit by a rattlesnake. Well, Bernard is up on the hill with Dinosaur ready to fucking assassinate Billy. Pretty sure that that there's a Godsmack song about having a trippin' balls after being bit by a snake. I wouldn't be surprised. I believe it's called Voodoo. But, so yeah, Billy gives like a a sermon. (laughs) Yeah, apparently possessed by the spirit of some ancient prophet of the Navajo or something. Yeah. And then Bernard and Dinosaur are about to leave until they see Barbara and Martin. So they're like, well, oh, let's get these photos and start some shit. And that's what they do. And Deputy Mike starts threatening Martin. And he's like, look, hey, help us get Barbara out or we'll fucking kill you. And then they beat him up anyway. So this is where everyone at the school is like, well, we got to go protest this town. What do we do? What's a good peaceful way of protest? I would like to point out also Martin is on crutches at this point because he, his dumb ass fell off a horse when oh, his, yeah. friend told, and his friends told him not to ride alone. That's still advice he could use later in the movie, too. Don't yeah. ride alone. But they go into town to protest with uh, with improv. And this is the improv bit I loved. The the robbery scene? The <laughs> mugging one? The whole robbery cosplay. Oh, it's so good. And the sheriff not, gets dragged into it. It's one of my, actually, just in general, it's a, a, a scene that I enjoyed from one of the, of all the movies we watched, one of the, my most favorite scenes in any of the movie. It's really good. Because essentially, there's a guy that's robbing somebody. That's It's a mugging. And then this guy's like, no, you're doing it wrong. You gotta say the line with more conviction. Here, here, give me the gun. I'll show you how to do it. Then the sheriff comes in and it's like, no, sheriff, you're not saying it right. Here, give me the gun and I'll show you how to do this. And it just goes on and on. It's hilarious. Yeah, there's like, there's, so with the sheriff, there's four people involved total when the sheriff shows up. And they're constantly like switching props with each other and... The, the roles keep changing, and it's, it's it's really good. It's actually a really clever, clever thing. And the town is like, "Oh, ha ha ha! This is good." And then, um, because the goal for for Cole and Gene is to try to get the town and the school to be, you know, find some common ground. Like, hey, these guys aren't so bad. To see them in a positive light. 
But they're not protesting. They're not going out there with their signs that say "fuck you" in the town. They just go out to show that they're fun-loving people. Yeah, I love the lead guy, the guy with the, the Fu Manchu and the long hair. Looks like he should be in my Midwest emo band. Yes, I love that. Thirty-five-year-old high school student. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, he's way he- too, way too talented to be a high school student this dude is definitely like an adult improv actor yeah he is very funny he's very good at delivering awesome i in this scene especially he's just so good meanwhile bernard has taken one of the schoolgirls, the one with the false eyelashes they mentioned at one point um yeah they call miss false eyelashes but i think they actually her name is chrissy or something like that they say her name one time. So Bernard has taken her off with his car out into the woods to to, to rape her. Right. Well, yeah, to probably both. But and ostensibly, he's trying to get information on where Barbara is. But the uh, the interrogation involves uh, <laughs> some sexual assault. Yeah, involves like undressing her and grabbing her, and that's when Billy Jack shows up. Thank God. Yep. And he's like, "We're going to teach Billy a lesson without hurting him." Well, he want Billy Jack just wants to like beat the ever living shit out of him because it's Billy Jack. But Gene's there because Gene sh- rolls up with him, and Gene's a pacifist, but he's like, "We can teach him a lesson without uh, hurting him." Yeah, and so they just kind of have Billy drive his car into the lake and run home. Yeah, they he basically intimidates Billy into driving his own car into the lake because it's like it's that or I kick the shit out of you. It's like, well, I guess I'm going into the lake. Bernard has to go tell his dad, like, yeah, they made me drive my car into the lake. And his dad thinks he's a he's the loser because he didn't even like bite, which only he just did what he, just did what he told was told by him, which only it works to make bernard even worse i know because he's got this it's this inferiority complex he says later in the movie how can someone who hates their dad as much as me wants to do anything to make you know to make him proud yeah meanwhile martin confesses his love to barbara because barbara's well this is the girl that was gang raped and she's surprised that martin is just chilling with her and being nice and not trying to fuck her and he's like, oh, well, I, I don't do that because I'm actually in love with you. I don't want to offend you. And here, have this, this ancient Indian knowledge that I share. And it's the serenity prayer yeah. that they have, that they say in AA all the time. St. Francis of Assisi. Yeah. I did not know that it was from St. Francis of Assisi until this movie. I just thought this was a thing that they did in AA. Well, apparently... Uh... Old is in fact an old Catholic prayer. Actually, it's interesting. Native Navajo probably would have been taught Catholicism by the Spanish in that location. Yeah, and they so would, that would be by Franciscans, in fact. So yes, that would be that would be historically accurate. Something that they might uh, have have believed in. So Bernard and Dinosaur they go out to try and kill Billy again, and this is where we get the line about the the dad that you said. Yeah. Um, instead of finding Billy, they find Jean randomly skinny dipping. Because she's a free spirit hippie. Yeah. So she's going to go out in the woods and do her thing. It's all good. And so they just tie her up naked and, yeah, they, they, they rape her. Fucking but, yeah. Bernard rapes her. And I'm yeah. like, oh, he's- Bernard rapes her and dinosaurs uh, accomplice by holding her down. Yeah, even though she's also tied down. They leave her tied down. Yeah. The, the kids from the school come up and find her. And what happened, and she tells them, don't tell Billy, 
Because he's just going to go out and get revenge, and that's going to be bad. We can't disrupt the peace here, so don't tell Billy that I got raped. I pray Billy kills him. You mustn't tell Billy, Cindy. Why not? Because he will kill him. Damn your pacifism! Yeah, so Bernard now has attempted to rape a high school student, yes. raped another woman, and... Uh, committed a hate committed hate crimes so that's where that we're that's where we're out so far but apparently shooting a horse too far yeah like i can't shoot a horse but i can rape women and commit hate crimes barbara meanwhile she's like trying to learn to ride a horse and falls down and that causes her to have a miscarriage yeah i was thinking it's like okay so first my first thought is why would you ride a horse while pregnant Second, my second thought is that's kind of like see i mean i know it's an exploitation film right that's definitely exploitive oh sure you know, miscarriage, that's always going to be exploitive, right? Like, yeah, and I think the doctor tells them it was a white baby. Yes, that is, that is what he says. But then Deputy Mike and Posner, they uh, they pull the doctor aside, and they're like, tell us the truth. You cremated the baby to find the fact that it was an Indian. You know, the whole time that the doctor's like at the barber shop getting his hair cut. And even the doctor's like, oh, fuck this shit, you people are evil. Yeah, because the doctor's been helping, too. The doctor's was, you know, one of the people who helped get Barbara into the school as well, because that's his job as a doctor <laughs> to yeah. protect. But they're trying to bully the doctor into saying that Barbara was raped by the Indians at the school. The even doc- though even though fucking Ginger Boy was is fully aware that his daughter uh, uh, <laughs> has already said she was pregnant, and she doesn't know who the father is. Yeah, and so... Posner and Deputy Mike, they make a posse. They're going to go, like, do their own vigilante justice at the school, and the sheriff shows up to be like, no, guys, no, you can't come in here. Yeah, he's got a shotgun. He's like, don't even get out of the car. I don't want to know who you are or what you're doing. Just get the fuck out. Don't test me. <laughs> you know me better than that. Meanwhile, Martin is um out there. Bernard and them try to, like, kidnap Barbara, but Martin... Martin gives his life to save her. Bernard ends up just fucking killing martin <laughs> yeah off screen off screen they find his body later and say that he was shot four times in the head because they get into like a, a shootout where you know first of all bernard earlier again couldn't shoot a horse but apparently apparently a native boy no problem like a 13 or 15 or 14 year old native boy no problem she tries to shoot at him was hitting the trees Martin was firing back at him, and he goes, this engine shoots back, and that cuts to, you know, Cole uh, berating uh, <laughs> uh, the the dad, I can't, the deputy. Deputy Mike. Deputy Mike, about it, and then, they, and then they find him. It's like, oh yeah, he's dead, he's been shot in the head four times. Yeah, and about this time, Billy finds out that Bernard had raped Gene, and he's like, yeah. okay, I'm out for blood, I'm gonna go get my justice. Also, Cole is, uh, at this point, it's just, he's done. So he tells Posner, even though he's like, I'm going to give you, like, a day to bring your son in, or I'm going after him myself. Gene tries to stop Billy from going out on his his vigilante rampage here. Yeah, because we are, in fact, in a rape-revenge movie now. Yep. Somehow. I don't know why this is our life, but this is where we're at again. Billy Jack tells her, he's like, when the set of laws is fairly applied to everyone, then I'll follow the law. One day, one day when the law is fair, then I then I won't have to go killing again. So he just kicks in Bernard's bedroom door, 
And Bernard's in there with a girl. And Billy's like, how old are you? I'm 13. So Bernard is also now a pedophile, too. Right. Just just to add just to add another layer on top of all of this. Just murderer, rapist, pedophile, and uh, sexual hate crime committer. But horses, too far. Yep. So Billy does the right thing here and kills Bernard with a karate chop. Yep. Bernard tries to shoot him, shoots him in the side. He does shoot him. Yeah, and Billy Jack gives no shits. I'm I'm gonna say this the strength of the snake is with him. Yeah, and, and he- Billy Billy naked is like trying to scramble and just gets karate chopped directly in the throat and dies. Like <laughs> Billy Jack fucking green berets this kid to death and no one is sad. Yeah, big old pop up on the screen saying everyone liked that. Yes, and everybody was satisfied. Yep. I I was thinking, man, is he, is he gonna castrate him? That would be great. Like uh, Sin City, it's like I took away his weapon. Both. Yeah, that would have been great too. Bernard is just an absolute piece of shit. But a, a nice thick karate chop in the throat while you're whining like a baby. I like that's a good end for that guy. But like credits to the I, I'm gonna say I just credits to that actor who played that perfectly that horrible character perfectly yeah good good job for him i mean he made us hate him immensely well so good job dude and he played him realistically he didn't play like mustache mustache twirling villain nope i think he did a good job the character is a vile human being the actor did a great job training a villain you know we need you know we need you're gotta do it yeah and props to that actor so Sheriff Cole shows up. He's like, "We do have a federal search warrant now to collect Barbara." Yeah, they actually got. They actually did all the paperwork now. <laughs> yeah, and Billy's like, "No!" And he takes Barbara away and holds up for the final showdown, Western style, his last stand. Yeah, shootout at the OK Corral. Deputy Mike gets shot in the head. Yeah, he tries to come out and shoot Billy Jack as he runs off, and it just gets fucking wrecked because. Old ginger deputy, not as good at a shot as the Green Beret. Who knew? And so he's holed out with Barbara, and he describes that my Indian medicine pouch is the source of my power. While I'm bleeding to death here, because he's the shot from Bernard is actually affecting him now. Yeah, he is. He's starting to feel it. He is not going to make it if he doesn't get medical attention. And so Jean talks to the sheriff. She's like, "Let me, let me go negotiate this standoff with Billy." And neither Billy or Barbara are going to leave the church this abandoned church that they fold up in for this shootout. So they're they're, they're ready to die for the cause here. And the sheriff's like, well, we're not going to storm the church, but the police say fuck that and storm anyway. Yeah, the state state police decide. They're too dumb to know the actual situation of what's going on, so they just kind of YOLO it. And so Billy, he kills some cops. Um, Yeah, it it almost becomes becomes Waco very quickly here for the FBI. Barbara gets like, shot in the leg. And decides, maybe it's not a good idea to die. Yeah, because she, she says, this dying stuff's not all it's crapped up to be. I, I'm out, Billy. So she leaves. It's like, yeah, I got shot in the leg. Maybe uh, maybe I was being a little hasty. So, Sheriff Cole and the doctor, actually. These are the two people from the town that Billy trusts, basically. They go in. Cole, and- Cole the doctor. And they, they convince Billy to leave. And the way they're like, hey, here's what it is. You're going to go to trial, but that's your opportunity to expose all the fucking corruption and racism in this town and the whole world. Like, go to trial and let everyone know this, what the truth of what's going on. And he's like, okay. 
yeah, I'll do that, you know, and, but he makes agreements to, like, make sure the school's protected first. Right. And the governor's like, that's all? Yeah, that's fine. Yep. <laughs> so he, he goes out, and he, he's pretty chill for a guy that's been bleeding to death for the past several hours. Yeah, a tough motherfucker. I mean, he probably probably suffered wounds in Vietnam and stuff, too. So this, may be, this is probably not his first rodeo with gunshots. He goes out in cuffs, and all the kids from the school are out there, and they put up their, their fist, and they're, yep. they're all lined along the road as the police car drives away, all with their fist in the air as it plays that fucking Tin Soldier song. Yeah, hate that song, but... Yep, and that's the end of the movie. I mean, well, there are the sequels. Yeah. And then I have a note here that Tarantino cites the film as an influence for Brad Pitt's character on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. However, Tarantino says that kind of shit about every single movie. Hmm. You know, I have not seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I just know how it ends. It's a I should see it. decent film. It's not bad. I should have watched it after watching Valley of the Dolls and Beyond the Valley of the Dolls to get the sad out. Mm-hmm. Although Tarantino's been pulling a J.K. Rowling with the, that film and Leonardo DiCaprio's character, pretending that he was uh, actually real. Oh, yeah. He's been posting on Twitter that, oh, this character auditioned for the thing and John Carpenter turned him down. His fictional ass character. <laughs> like creating I mean, a backstory beyond the movie. Are we are we establishing like a multiverse? <sighs> yeah, well, it's the kind of J.K. Rowling thing where she would say after the fact that, oh, well, this character was actually gay. Yeah. So Billy Jack is an interesting movie. Yeah, I, um, oh, one more quick note before we, like, break down the movie itself. The actress who played, uh, the fault, the girl with the false eyelashes, the... Oh, Chrissy or whatever? Yeah, Miss Uh, married to somebody that we will get to on this show eventually. Take a guess without looking it up? No, who, who? Oh, oh I should take a guess. Let me pull up the schedule. <laughs> well, I know she ain't married to David Dakota. We're doing that him no. soon. I don't think it's that soon, but uh, Reb fucking Brown. Reb Brown? She's so married, to, married to Reb Brown since 1979. He's somebody that, yeah, we, we probably do at some point have a movie or two of his coming up. I mean, how could we not? Fucking Space Mutiny guy. Space Mutiny, your <laughs> Bright Commando, Robo War. How the fuck do we not do a movie with this guy? This guy's definitely got to be on our list at some point because, well, his filmography is. We could make a show at, out of his filmography. Oh, yeah, we could. Reb fucking Brown. So, married to Reb Brown. Just random bit of trivia there. I just saw that. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. All right, now we can now we can talk about the actual movie other than random marriages. Yep, I liked the movie's message. Yeah, it's good. Um, because I hate to be political, but that message is still relevant today with things going on in the world, and you know. And the sad thing is, we can you know move in, over time, like. What I'm, I guess I'm trying to say is that uh, I've, there'll always be a new minority group to to shit on. Like that's how humans exist, right? Like if you go back to the turn of the century, like who else was included in like not the turn of ni- the 1900s, 19th century, 1800s, and 1900s? You know, yeah, not not the 20th century. You know, you know, obviously we have the same people who get fucking 
discriminated against today. But we also had Irish Poles, like myself. I have you know, Polish ancestry. Uh, Italians. All these were people that were treated as, as and abused as non-white. And uh, now no one really cares. So over time, you know, these we kind of lose that. But there's always somebody new to shit on. Yep. Right now it's the LGBTQ people. Yep. Which is me, and it, it hurts every time I see some fucking politician out there trying to legislate us out of existence. Yeah, you you guys are getting the brunt of it right right now. Obviously, you know, you, you, you know black people still not treated correctly. Oh, but they still all the time. That's that's unfortunately been a running theme throughout this uh, this country's history. Well, basically since chattel slavery was established and colonialism and all. But, yeah, before there uh, was an America. Right. But, uh, I mean, that's always there, unfortunately. But, yes, as far as, like, the new hotness in terms of bigotry, yeah, we're, we're back around on the LGBTQ community. And the movie, it is conflicted because it's it's trying to make a theme of, like, pacifism. But Billy Jack is our big violent hero. He does have this speech at the end about how he was born with a violent spirit. He never wanted that. And I, my thought is like, man, you were cru- if you were forged in the crucible of an unjust war. It's like give you give yourself a little bit of a slack, my man. Yeah, a little bit of slack there. But it's not a bad movie. Um, that song is fucking awful, but otherwise the movie's okay. I or- did think. Oh, sorry. Continue. No, go on. I said I was thinking, the third act was kind of paced weird to me. Like I think Tom Coughlin wanted to make a longer movie, and he just was not able to. In fact, I think the sequel is nearly three hours long, so they kind of let him get self-indulgent. So I think the third act got truncated a bit. That's with, like, Martin's killing off-screen and stuff like that. Like, it just escalates very, very quickly. Yeah. and But, yeah, sorry. Here you <laughs> go. We will always have Bernard as the worst fucking character that we've had on this. Yeah, he's, he's near the top. That's That's for absolute certain. That's pretty impressive, given the fucking shit we've seen. The lawyer from Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is a piece of shit, but still, not Bernard. Not Bernard, no. Uh, I think the movie does more correctly than doesn't. Yeah. It's got its weak parts, but um, I mean, and the improv troupe is is really fun. The improv troupe is, that alone is why I would take this over the coffee. Yep, absolutely. And and it works with, it's not just like, like uh, non-sequiturs, it works within the context of the movie, because they are doing these performances to show, hey, you know, we're not evil hippies, like, we're just, you know, having a good time, we entertain, we're... Yeah, yeah like, they're basically a collection of artists, essentially, it's like an artist commune. And even the one where they're doing the, uh, the pot-smoking kid ad-lib, that is providing commentary about society at the time, and parents and the law reacting to marijuana. I do actually. We didn't talk about one of the other skits they did with the pledge with, with uh, the Star Spangled Banner. Oh yeah, they sing like the, the guy, Star Spangled the, Banner while they beat the shit out of a kid. Yeah, the kid doesn't want to stand up for the Star Spangled Banner, so they're like kick the shit out of him before saying "Land of the Free." Yeah, obviously he's not free. They're singing it while they beat the shit out of the kid for not conforming to their thoughts. Yeah, obviously there's some. I mean, it's 1969, and this is a counterculture movie. I mean, it is, but it's not his. It's a hell of a lot more watchable than other counterculture movies, though. But 
And, well, and I think the theme is held up a lot, too, because we are talking about racism and discrimination in America, not just anti-war, not just, you know. Because there's a lot of counterculture movies from the late 60s, early 70s that are just total garbage. Fucking Supervan? Yeah, Supervan. Looking at you, Supervan. Uh, and again, I it's, I know it was short in the beginning, but I do like it when when media is willing to point out that a lot of hippie culture was hypocritical, abusive bullshit. Yeah. That, that there are good aspects of it, the pacifism, the, the creativity, the freedom. But when you use those things to abuse, which is what a lot of hippies did, men mostly, especially in the big, big communes, that's when obviously you can see that it's a, it's a problem of a movement. And uh, it's nice to see that demonstrated in a film very clearly, even if it's one scene, uh, I think it's important. It's a bit of history that I think we don't really cover. We joke about hippies, but the fact of the matter is a lot of hippies were not very good people. Yeah, they weren't. It's like, uh, what is it, uh, I li- modern Christians, I like your Christ, but uh, I do not like your Christians. That The message gets lost, message gets lost sometimes, and I think a lot of these people just, you know, people are going to abuse the power they get. Through and take advantage of whatever's a sociopath and a sociopath, and doesn't matter what culture or counterculture you're part of. There's another movie with the counterculture stuff that uh, is is worth a watch. It's called Taking Off. It's by Milos Forman. Okay. Like, right before he did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. It's got a teenage Kathy Bates in it. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah, and it's basically it's about the counterculture that all these kids um, ran away from home. And so the parents are like, well, the kids are gone, so let's start smoking weed and having sex parties. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Billy Jack is a better counterculture film than that. Yeah, this one has still has relevance. I think it's uh I think it's a good watch. Yep. So that was our episode on Billy Jack. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what we do, leave a review, a rating, let others know that we do a good job, hopefully. Help get the word out. For more episodes, check us out on Twitter at Podcast Exploit or email us at exploitapodcast at gmail.com. So our bonus episode is the Italian ripoff of this and First Blood. Yep. Thunder Warrior. And then next week, Father's Day. Not the movie, yeah. Father's Day. The theme is Father's Day. God, thank you for not forcing me to watch that. That's next year's. God damn it. Can- Alright, that's a problem for future Kevin. Yeah. So we will catch you then. Good night, everybody. Go ahead,